Hello and welcome to Burst the Bubble, the CAMFM show all about silly news stories. Uh, my name's Chris Moten, I'm here with my regular co-host Michael Contario. Good afternoon. And our guest this week, Ross Higman. Hello. Now then, we're going to be starting off with some, uh, some stories from this week, uh, which are all about the animal kingdom. Uh, perhaps running the complete gamut of the, uh, the animal kingdom, uh, in actual fact. Uh, all the way from bears to not bears. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with bears, eh? Yeah. Uh, our first story is that a wild bear is apparently being feted by locals uh, in, in, around the forest of Tyrrell uh, after inadvertently helping unravel the mystery of a missing man uh, by causing a convoluted series of events which, which led to the discovery of the body of a man who had been reported missing by his wife two days earlier. Uh, <laughs> The, the, the bear didn't like actually discover the body or like drag it into town or anything. Um, the, the bear knocked down a tree which fell on an electricity pylon and started. We started a fire, and when people went in there to, to like deal with the fire, they also found this man's body. Now, Michael, I don't want to uh, undermine you this early in the uh, in the show. Yes, yes you do. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I should point out that he wasn't feted by his his, <laughs> his, his countrymen, uh, but rather fated. Uh, if he was feted by his countrymen, that would imply that they sort of, like, shot him with a, a, a dart gun or something and then fitted him with slippers uh, shaped like feet. <laughs> no, uh, no, I wasn't going to say anything about that, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm fated. <laughs> Have you never come across one of those words that you've never actually, never actually see, heard said? Have you never <laughs> said fate? Yeah, yeah. Was what like, what did your school do for really, <laughs> like really depressing summer activities? Yeah, but it didn't often have a D on the end. I don't think. No, I think uh, that might have been what confused him. Well, I was also confused by the lack lack of an umlaut, oh, not an umlaut, um, <laughs> an a- accent a on it. Hat. Whoa, whoa, sorry, we're having some troubles with uh, with the, the uh, microphones at the moment. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to clear that up. They keep on crackling nastily. Uh, th- they're working fine for me, so I think that's actually a problem. For y- that's only a, a problem for yourself. Uh, so that's you know, let's let's just carry on, eh? Um, <laughs> so anyway, yes. Uh, so, so this bear, uh, yeah, found this uh, this creature. Um, <laughs> creature. Uh, <laughs> More like the, corpse. The, yes, indeed. Yes. So he's he's kind of essentially he's a kind of a depressing uh, detective uh, in 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 my view. Uh, you know, he like they're fating him as an awesome detective, but I- if that was his theme, then he'd be like, yeah, I found the stash of drugs, but they were mainly cut with orphans' tears. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> whatever case he solves, he solves in a way that makes everybody feel just a little bit worse about themselves. Surely also he'd be like a complete accident all the time. He'd be like the incompetent detective. He's a bit like Inspector Clouseau Bear, really. <laughs> Inspector Clouseau Bear. <laughs> it's brilliant. The article says that he's he has wreaked havoc in some areas, overturning beehives and killing a goat. <laughs> he was also in a collision with a Swiss train on Monday night, <laughs> but was not believed to have been seriously injured. <laughs> See, I, I want to hear better uh, results than that for to warrant the title Reeking Havoc. You know, like if this was the big, like the second part of a Batman serial, you know, and the narrator was like, he killed a goat. <laughs> <laughs> he collided with a train, but it didn't matter. Because we're fating him because he found a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Will he continue to turn up evidence of no great relevance? <laughs> <laughs> Find out. Same bear channel, same bear time. <laughs> or will he just like knock over crockery and and kill innocent sheep and <laughs> possibly at some point solve another murder? But we're not holding out much hope for that. <laughs> With he's, con- he's not even solved the murder. He's, uh, <laughs> Very he's, good point. He's, he's again pointed out that co- caused things to happen, which pointed out that it probably was some sort of murder rather than just someone getting very lost. Yeah, all he's done is provided them with a murder which they now need to solve. Uh, uh, <laughs> at this point, we should point out that um, a spokesman for Tyrolean State Police said, this is an in- ongoing investigation, so I cannot give more information other than say that we consider the bear to be innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, I, I, w- I wasn't quite aware that we had like sections for bear crimes in 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 a justice human justice system. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like going. We, we consider the bear to be in- innocent. Is kind of like along the same lines of going. We, we, we can also consider the bear to be a person. 
So you well you can you have things like the Dangerous Dogs Act, don't you? So you know it's not quite the same justice system, but it is embedded within the humans, uh, the human justice system. It, it's possible to find a dog guilty of being a bit nasty, but that's sort of the only dog crime. You're, you're either a good dog or you get whacked with the newspaper and or bullets. You know that's that's kind of the. <laughs> it, it's a very simple justice system. Sort of post-apocalyptic justice. <laughs> I think they're being a For bit... For dogs, this is the post-apocalypse. Sorry, go <laughs> <laughs> I think they're being a bit presumptuous as well, considering him to be innocent. What, what with all of this stuff he's doing, wandering around, killing... He's killed a goat. He has form. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's run into, uh, into Swiss trains. He might yeah. have been plotting to, like, overturn all of the carriages and kill everyone inside. Yeah, he hasn't yet wreaked havoc, but he's definitely caused kerfuffle. <laughs> So, yeah. and, a, and a bear who can cause kerfuffle is a bear who can commit murder. Kerfuffle is a gateway offence. <laughs> uh, I want to know more about this collision with a Swiss train. It's kind of like, how, how, how does that happen? I mean, it's either you're standing. Okay, it's so like here, trains here's end how it up, goes, right? Trains end up in places that you're not sure where they are. So, like, did the bear just decide that it could take on a train, or was there something <laughs> else involved? I don't think the bear would have been all that aware of, like, the nightly schedule for, for <laughs> Swiss trains. <laughs> I don't think that he just turned up there and, and was like, right, that train's going to be along in a minute. I've got a grudge against that train. <laughs> I'm uh, planning a heist with all the other animals. What, what, what this doesn't tell you is that a, a box mysteriously vanished from the train that he was in a collision with. <laughs> I mean, and even if he managed to get hold of a train, he faces the standard problem of a railway highwayman, which is that you end up stuck on the train tracks regardless. <laughs> so you just have this one Swiss train that's kind of rogue and driven by a bear. <laughs> and then people at the station would be looking at it as it comes into the station, uh, going, um, uh, you know, go going like, you know, is it the human train? Is it the bear train? You know, get out the binoculars. Look at that thing coming over there. Bear train, bear train, everybody off the platform. Well, from, <laughs> the, the, from the sounds of things, they're more likely to fate him and dub him conductor bear if he does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, didn't Paddington drive a train at some point? Yeah. Not Paddington, sorry. Paddington arrived on a chair. We put bear, I think, drove a, drove a, drove a, a, a train at some point. Paddington just, like, turned up via one. I'm not as good at, at Rupert as I am at Paddington. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> On the other hand, there's not a, there's not a Rupert station, so <laughs> obviously they didn't uh, feel the same way about him. <laughs> but uh, we've got another uh, we've got another bear story. Here. Oh no, sorry, wait. There's one thing one thing I've not mentioned. This guy, this uh, bear is M13. Apparently, that that's the the scientific label this bear has been given. So yeah. some of you call him Inspector Bear. Uh, that M13 to his friends <laughs> or possibly yeah. the other way around yeah so if your GPS tells you turn left onto the M13 <laughs> check check which one it's talking about is it the human road or the bear road exactly or just the bear <laughs> or just you the know, bear the advice was drive your car quietly onto the top of the bear then rouse the bear using a stick or similar object the bear will then walk to your next destination uh, at which point you should unboard deboard Deboard? Yeah, you should deboard the bear. <laughs> It'll be like a row row ferry, you know, but a row row oh, right. bear. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, apparently, uh, him and his brother, M12, which, which to me that just makes them sound like either stars or secret agents. I'm not quite Definitely sure. Definitely secret agents, as far as I'm concerned. Because they're, they're being monitored by a GPS tag around their necks. That sounds like the sort of thing you do to your top agents. Okay. <laughs> really? Have, have the, the, well, uh, well the, 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 in. in uh, Casino Royale, James Bond gets they, that little thing implanted. They put a GPS tag round his neck? Well, no, no, they implant it into his arm. <laughs> oh, right, well, is that, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not Casino Royale, that's the next one, isn't it? Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. Is that for the same reason, then, so that David Attenborough can present a documentary where he goes, we have it on good authority that James Bond is able to survive for up to six months over the harsh tundra winter where he has been noted to swim for up to 100 miles to catch... Mo no, I said Moriarty. What do I, <laughs> what do I actually mean? Uh, who, 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 I don't would, know. who would bomb? Who's uh, what's his face? You know that bloke who heads Blofeld. up. Someone with yeah, Blofeld. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you know, mentally retell that that bit, but with Blofeld instead of the beginning of Moriarty, <laughs> followed by a short complaint about oh, I can't remember who's, who's the main the main bloke. Oh, it's, it's not Blofeld anymore, is it? Because uh, Spectre isn't a thing in the Bondiverse anymore. It's uh, Quantum. 
<laughs> but I don't, I don't know if we know who the head of Quantum is. We don't have Blofeld too. The, the, the Bondiverse just sounds a bit like somewhere that's like a universe made entirely out of beaches. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so with the GPS, we've cunningly linked into our into our next pair story, which is. Um, that um, a GPS tracking study has found even polar bear cubs can swim huge distances in open water. Um, and apparently uh, th- they tracked 52 female adult pol- polar bears uh, who had an average swim of 96 miles and one of 220 miles. So if they That's are... That's impressive. That's like twice as good as James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they are... Uh, if they are chasing people around the world, then, uh, yeah, polar bears... Uh, Agents that keep on going for swimming. <laughs> Although they uh, uh, they only know that the cubs uh, were able to traverse such enormous distances uh, because they they monitored the mothers uh, and then they found the mothers earlier uh, and went aha cubs accompanying and then they found them later and when still got cubs so presumably they too swam two hundred miles. Although that's yeah. not really true because what they could have done is both that bear and another bear cruelly abandoned their cubs <laughs> at the waterside and then landed at the opposite places and went, <laughs> oh, <laughs> cubs. <laughs> Wonderful. I think, I think you've thought of something which you should probably report to the relevant authorities. That might not be a hypothesis that they've investigated yet. <laughs> it's one of those ones that, like, 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 I mean, a traditional thing for sailors was like a girlfriend in every port, but here the polar bears, the polar bears, a child on in every, every ice floe. Wait, no, yeah, the traditional thing for sailors was also a child, a child in, every in every port. port. Yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's even more even more relevant than I first thought. But it says the scientists were able to track ten of the studied bears and found that six still had their cubs after a year. Um, For the other four females with cubs, they say, we don't know if they lost their cubs before, during, or at some point after their long swims. So I'm more worried about all of these cubs that are, like, merrily leaping into the water after their mother go, oh, we're going for a swim! Oh, my God, it's 100 miles! I can't do 100 miles! Are we nearly there yet? (laughs) (laughs) But the, uh, the... Silver lining on that cloud is that they were adopted by a fish, uh, whose <laughs> whose young were in turn adopted by the polar bear. <laughs> by, by it didn't I say they turned up with fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you were going for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you've got um, if you've got any more um, comments about any of the bears that we've discussed so far, you can email us at studio at camfm.co.uk. Or you can, if you're listening online, you can use the form on the website, camfm.co.uk. Just click there and send us a message to the studio. Or you can text CAM plus your message to 80809. Texts will cost you 10 pence, in addition to your standard message rate. Indeed. Uh, We will take a short musical break at this time with a song that we are playing solely for morbid curiosity. (laughs) Uh, It's it's apparently by Dappy, a.k.a. that one on Nevermind the Buzzcocks, who kind of embarrassed himself a bit. Um, But it's featuring Brian May, uh, and hence the morbid curiosity. (laughs) So so, so listen out for the the queenly goodness uh, um, amongst the record here. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. We'll be back shortly with more silly news. Your music, your station, 97.2, your Cam FM. Welcome back to Burst the Bubble uh, with me, Chris Moten, and, uh, and uh, our regular co host, Michael Contario. And our guest, Ross Eggman. Hello. Uh, that was Rockstar uh, by Daffy featuring Brian May. Uh, played out of morbid curiosity to find out the Brian May involvement. Turns out he plays the guitar. Um, <laughs> Uh, I believe the critical opinion uh, here in the studio is better than that one that Nickelback did, uh, also titled <laughs> Rockstar. Not as good as that one Pink did that features the words Rockstar quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> does that roughly summarise the <laughs> the yeah. feeling in the house? Although neither of those had 20 seconds of Brian May right near the end, so that, that does put them at a disadvantage. If you just released a 20-second single that was just <laughs> Brian May... I'd probably buy it. That is an idea. I mean, we've got all these new distribution channels. We don't need to like, have singles and albums anymore. We can just have... Like Solos. 30 Yeah, <laughs> just have the. the, the pioneer, Middle eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Brian May should pioneer that, I feel, when, he he, when he's not um, like, doing his astrophysics. He could sell it kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, you know? <laughs> like he could sell every week, he could release another 20 seconds of the song. And your challenge as the listener is to arrange it 
either correctly or better yet incorrectly yeah. into a better song you know you, you see roughly where this is going right <laughs> i'm just imagining them selling like the 500 greatest middle eights in the world as like a, a one cd compilation <laughs> but no, I, I um i do worry if we started selling the bits of song like that instead of actually being able to choose which bits of song you got you get it in like a booster pack of some description so you just get a random bit of song each time uh, and so you, you take it home and go oh I've already got the intro <laughs> like in a kinder egg yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll 500 try, copies of the middle of I am the walrus <laughs> that bit where it just goes <laughs> that's wrong I'm thinking of a day in the life never mind <laughs> uh, you can tell this isn't a music show <laughs> So, oh yeah, we discovered one more one more fact uh, about the um, <laughs> about the uh, that particular song, uh, which was that uh, it was the highest charting release by Brian May outside of his work with Queen. And given that he's released nine other things, and none of them had Dappy in, that's uh, <laughs> slightly depressing. <laughs> It's, it's, it's sad that the uh, the equation is add Dappy, get success. But it turns out it is so. That's not particularly an equation, which is add Dappy, get success. It's an algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Take something that's currently not very well received, add Dappy. You know, like, for example, uh, apple strudel. Like, it's not the most popular dessert. Add Dappy. Like, you get an apple strudel carried by Dappy. <laughs> what would happen if we made an Inspector Bear TV show with Dappy doing the theme tune? <laughs> You'd have to release it first, and it would have to be rubbish, which it would be. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good, because as we've established, it would be a fatalistic detective show in which Inspector Bear uncovers evidence of horrible things but doesn't really know what to do with them and causes quite a lot of collateral damage. So. <laughs> but it's okay, because there's Dappy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Moving on, we've got um, some more animal stories, um, specifically birds, starting with. Uh, A lost parakeet has been returned safely to its owner in Tokyo after it told the police its home address, uh, which the 64-year-old woman who owned the bird uh, taught taught the bird her address because she'd previously lost a parakeet and didn't want it to happen again. I think that's quite sensible on her part, really. It's pretty clever. I wonder if she'd considered like writing her address, like on a ring well, around on the its parakeet. leg. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just felt tipping it. <laughs> you have to make it do a spread eagle before you can actually oh. read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rather than trying to appear bigger so that it would um, scare off scare off predators, it would try to appear bigger to to, to, to like try and find, get its way home. Would it be like it'd be like um, people at the side of the road trying to hitchhike with a sign? Instead, it just spreads out its wing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it looks like it's slagging you down at the same time as it's displaying yeah. the address that it wants Going to. My way. It wants to be. To. <laughs> um, it, it did, however, take two days to tell the police its address. I'm not sure whether. Uh, that is the case, or whether it was just like put left in a room in a cage and just kept on going. It, it's number four, number forty five. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the names are like in Japan. I, I have only a vague concept. But yeah, they're giving it address and like no one's there, and it's just getting gradually more and more depressed. By the end, it's like it's this address. Please, someone listen to me telling the address. So, if you taught your parakeet your address from that day on, you're going to have to be very, very well behaved, aren't you? Because you don't want the parakeet in the police station going. The body's under the floorboards. The body's under the floorboards. Number twenty-two, Cedar Grove. Uh, in, w- in what sort of circumstance would you actually be saying, oh, the body's under the floorboards? Because fundamentally... Well, if you had an accomplice, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do all of your crime on your own and or silently, or through the medium of sign language. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or have some sort of parakeet muffler. You know, you'd say, <laughs> bup, bup, bup. We're about to discuss sensitive material. I'm going to get this... Um, Put the blanket over the cage, it falls asleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, or one of those... Um, Soft woolly blankets. Those woolly things you get for microphones. Sort of pop one of those over <laughs> the top of it. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's there to stop wind noise, not... <laughs> not, 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 not to hide um, your, your yeah, criminal activity. Right, right. If you're going to nitpick, then once you put the muffler on top of it, you convey all your secrets in stage whispers, which are mostly wind noise. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing... That, 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 that'd be the most bizarre sort of crime spree it's like the the, the, the thing is underneath the floorboards 
What? I set the things underneath the down. It's <laughs> <laughs> underneath the floorboards. <laughs> Quick, teach it a false address. <laughs> uh, I like how you, you, you seem to start going into bird voices like underneath the floorboards, underneath the floorboards. <laughs> That was the bird that was supposed to be saying that. <laughs> okay, well, that I wasn't like I'm teaching the bird, so I better do a bird voice, <laughs> otherwise they won't understand. <laughs> the other thing that you'd have to be careful about is not to move house, because then, like, imagine if she'd moved house in the meantime, and then they just they, it tells them that the police its address, and then they like knock at the door. Hello, Mrs. Wilkinson. We fi- well, she wouldn't be called Wilkinson, obviously. Well, she might be called Wilkinson. She might be an immigrant, but. <laughs> They feel like, hey, we found your parakeet and the, and the woman's like what the hell what are you doing here why did you bring me a parakeet it's just an angry note on the letterbox <laughs> forward all parakeets there could also be uh, the problem like just like massively holding up a, a moving chain going like that, when, when she's going oh my parakeet's looking a bit down it's probably going to die soon and I've been meaning to move for a while so I'll go out and buy a house and then and then the parakeet's just lasting long going like oh why oh I see <laughs> I thought you were trying to somehow move your furniture by this mechanism like I don't know by the mechanism of a parakeet yeah yeah you'd you'd like tether it to a chest of drawers (laughs) and then abandon it somewhere and it'd be like 22 cedar grove so then the police would drive your chest of drawers with parakeet to the appropriate location he goes it's yours it's like oh he must have nicked the chest of drawers I think they'd catch on after about the first half dozen (laughs) items of furniture we found him again attached to a grand piano (laughs) (laughs) oh dear don't let don't let inspector bear anywhere near that grand piano (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I mean, and there's been enough comedies with people like people just people moving the piano if you have a bear that's already like bumped into a train near your grand so piano. is the bear now in this scenario in the Tokyo police force <laughs> and finding the parakeet and attempting to bring it <laughs> to the address that it is squawking <laughs> Well, it's call sitcom it, gold. If you're going to call it Inspector Bear, then obviously you're going to have it on the actual force. Uh, at some point, you, you, of course, you have the guy who's in charge of the force going, "I don't, I don't like your methods, Inspector Bear, but I have to admit they get results, <laughs> but not good ones. <laughs> but they do get results." <laughs> And we've been lacking in results. Our results quota, we're way down. Huh? <laughs> but you, you've come in here and, and you've knocked down a tree. That's brilliant. We can put that on our results list. <laughs> yeah. Alternatively, yeah. I mean, you couldn't really train the parakeets to join him on the police department because uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't give very much use. Of- it could go undercover. You could use it as a dictaphone, like, <laughs> like in the Flintstones. <laughs> Just a stealer j- joke from the Flintstones movie. Yeah, there is I'm a- cool. Like it's 1994. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are no new ideas. Well, I probably are. They're just much better than that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Uh-huh. So, sticking with the uh, the Avian Kingdom, which might not be a kingdom, it's probably a genera or something like that. But uh, uh, I believe our next story uh, is concerning uh, the more commonplace bird, the chicken, uh, which has been released en masse into a school in Belfast. Yeah, the, the last day of sick form, some students, uh, for their prank, uh, decided to release... <laughs> I was going to say, just release the hens! <laughs> it's like, not quite release the hounds, but... No, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, mean, I, I, imagine, I can imagine someone having, like, a pack of trained attack chickens, which these weren't, luckily. Fly, my pretties! <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but the, the, one of the things um, here is that on the BBC News, they felt that they had to put chicken puns yeah. into the news story so um, they said it's some foul behaviour and the teachers were exasperated at having to catch them see that that last pun kind of falls down on the fact that aspirated is a word meaning like breathed in right so uh, ex- not spelt like that sadly uh, <laughs> really? yeah the way it's spelt in the article it's just not a word Oh, okay. sorry, linguist. <laughs> it sounds like a word. I come in so, here, I ruin all of your comedy. If you were speaking the story to somebody, then <laughs> yes, they might legitimately that is true. receive. You know, it's not a pun, but it's received pun. Exasperated. They're just 
shooting, breathing <laughs> eggs out of their mouths. Exactly, yeah. It's, um, it's a scene that would be discovered by Inspector Bear. Propelling you know, like them. <laughs> in- Inspector Bear invaded a hen house, ate all the chickens, <laughs> and, and disturbed a massive <laughs> pile of eggs under which there was the body of an unfortunate farmer. The cause of death was exasperated. <laughs> Oh, we, we have actually had a, uh, a message in. Uh, sadly, with no name, please tell us who you are. I'll let, I'll, uh, th- maybe please. that is their name <laughs> <laughs> at the end there. I, mean, I, mean, I think it's Avies. There's a bird to a class. It's Avies. Yeah, I've got but that might also be their name. It's also what Romans used to say. Ave. Ave, that's the one. See, linguist, it's useful having you here. Do you want me to just become like the... the Pet linguist. Yeah, pet linguist. I wasn't going to go for pet linguist. <laughs> I was going to go for consultant linguist, except I couldn't remember the word consultant, <laughs> which <laughs> is ironic. ironic. Yeah. Consultant linguist. We, we have a, uh, also had another email, which is just Chris Smoten, exclamation <laughs> mark. Yes, it just bellows my name. <laughs> and it doesn't tell me what tone it should be buried. Uh, bellowed, <laughs> sorry. It, I, I should be buried with no great deference by Inspector Bear. Perhaps but this is an attempt at obeying Michael's instructions as a Please send a name. Any name. <laughs> <laughs> this one came first, though, so unless someone before I'd send ne- mentioned names. So Popped in the time machine and went, fine. <laughs> At enormous expense and scientific endeavour, I will obey you. But yeah, I do, I do want to know how that email is supposed to be received, because it does just say Chris Moten, which could be anything from Chris Moten, just kind of an observational, hmm, I note your presence. Or it could be Chris Moten, you know, like, uh, it's sort of a, uh, like, like a, uh, a great aunt sort of telling you off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Moten, you get down here this yeah. <laughs> So I'd be intrigued to know, so if the same person who emailed that, uh, could send us some brief notes on tone, <laughs> that would be just wonderful. <laughs> In the meantime, what about these chickens, eh? Going <laughs> <laughs> okay, to the actual news, I, I want to know how the, how they they re- they got the chickens and how they released them. It's kind of like th- this is this is a prank that has definitely involved some planning and possibly some transportation issues and possibly some purchasing of hens. Yes, well, or stealing of hens. We just don't know. Yeah, it, it, it didn't say. It doesn't say anywhere that coincidentally a number <laughs> of hens were stolen last night. Foxes are are, are blamed. <laughs> Although we, we we asked we asked the police about about this, and they said um, while this is an ongoing crime, uh, we cannot comment on it. However, the bear has been found innocent. Mm. <laughs> Mister Officer, we didn't ask about a bear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, forget I said that. <laughs> Any and all bears are innocent. No bear is involved. <laughs> Is, is that the new James Bond villain organisation now, Bear? Oh, what, no bears are involved? I mean, just Bear. <laughs> B-E-A-R. <laughs> I guess no bears are involved would be like that club on The Simpsons. You know, they have uh, the No Homers Club. <laughs> oh, we, we, we've had a, we, we have had a reply from a mysterious person. Um, it, well, they, they put Chris in brackets at the end of the email. But again, I'm unsure as to that whether that is their name or just uh, it was a response to you, Chris. Uh, apparently, <laughs> it should have been bellowed in a mediumly angry but reverential way, which yeah. I think that you are now going to have to demonstrate since you're demonstrating <laughs> over medium anger but also reverence. reverential. I'm getting Brian blessed is what <laughs> I'm getting from that. <laughs> so, so I can get re- you know reverential be like Chris Moten. No, that's a, no, that's. A, <laughs> I I've weirded myself out by attempting to be reverential and and turning out to be just alluring. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking <laughs> and just to recover from that. <laughs> In the meantime, what about those chickens? A. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, it, they're actually part of a long tradition in. Uh, in um, Northern Ireland for having pranks at the end, last day of school. Um, the, the other animal-related one was um, a teacher was surprised to find goldfish merrily swimming in the staff room water cooler, which uh, <laughs> you've, got, you've got to give some extra kudos to that, that they've managed to not only get goldfish into the water cooler, but they've managed to sneak them into the staff one as well, in the staff room. Do, do, do pupils get water coolers, generally? No. <laughs> 
I, oh, I've seen I've seen something like reception areas and stuff. Mm. That might be even more impressive. But like uh, everyone going back and forth through the reception of the school and, and going, yeah. "Don't mind me, I'm just here to fix the plumbing." <laughs> I mean, I mean, and goldfish. Is that goldfish? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but. Uh, yeah, it sounds like hopefully it wasn't too too much of a problem for the uh, hens for the, for to be rounded up yeah. for the hens themselves. Yeah, and yeah it's quite quite an qu- qu- it's just bizarre and uh, fun. It's, it's the kind of thing that happens on like last day of school and things. I've 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 heard about a similar prank where I think it was pigs actually there's someone someone re- i don't know where they got three pigs from but they did um and released them into their school and and they painted numbers on the side they were numbered one two and four <laughs> <laughs> i was a bit confused by the uh, the news article mentions that one thing looked um was done a play was staged in which the number of teachers were impersonated by students it's shocking i know that doesn't that doesn't sound like a really good prank or anything that just it's yeah, a play. Yeah, basically, they're reported. This is what callers to BBC Northern Ireland's talkback programme confessed to when, presumably, they were discussing um, the hen incident much as we are discussing it now. So perhaps listeners ought to send in their own crazy, crazy pranks, like staging plays where they impersonated the teachers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they've, basically all they've proved is that there is a long tradition of... of, um, <clears throat> of pulling silly pranks on your last day of school in Northern Ireland, but not many of them are that impressive. (laughs) (laughs) The play thing does have more sort of uh, comedic drive than the pig thing, though. You know, it's like, once you've released the pig, then the joke is more or less told, (laughs) and you still have a pig in the school. (laughs) So your your situation of, hilarious prank, I've released a pig, quickly turns into annoying duty, I've released a pig, and now now must reclaim the pig, or I will be pitchforked by whom from whom for whomsoever I nick the pig to begin with. So, you know, <laughs> a play is less likely to do that. You're less likely to have to sort of file your actors back from where you stole them. <laughs> Unless you did, of course. <laughs> Went down to an amateur touring theatre company, herded them into a van. <laughs> it's a prank. <laughs> oh, we, we, we have had one email from Chris B. We're, we're gradually getting more information about, about this person. If I wanted uh, sexual luring, I would have said it. <laughs> so yeah, try harder, Chris. Well, fair enough. I didn't want it either. So <laughs> we're in the same boat here. I, I, I think we can say these days none of us wanted that mm. at that particular time. But yes, if you've got any emails about pranks that you've done or any of the bear or bird-based stories that we've talked about so far, you can email us studio at camfm.co.uk or text cam plus your message to eight zero eight zero nine, which will cost you ten pence. Or like many people have been doing, use the web form on camfm.co.uk. We'll be back after Ting Tings. Online, on air, and across Cambridge. Rise and shine. Your Cam FM breakfast. Welcome back to Burst the Bubble with breakfast in the afternoon for people who sleep in the morning. <laughs> also known as the bed that I like more than the other ones. I'm going to edit that at some point so that it goes, Rise and shine, your Cam FM, your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it in my alluring voice. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> uh, oh dear, we, we we have actually had a few emails with uh, end of, end of school pranks in on in them, uh, both from anonymous. <laughs> um, I assume that's someone who doesn't know what just generally actually doesn't want to say who they are rather than rather someone from the movement. The group anonymous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of their best. Um, <laughs> filling the dean's office entirely with pink <laughs> balloons. Actually, it says pink balloons, but we'll forgive them that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, decided decided to take all morning with a pin to clear them. I mean, that, 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 that sounds like quite a fun, quite a fun thing you get to go. You got uh, the stresses of an academic life, yeah. and then someone fills your your office with balloons, it's and you're like, "I've got a room of balloons and a pin." <laughs> <laughs> Stress busting. It's a little bit like um, uh, popping Door. bubble wrap, only <laughs> on a much grander scale. With <laughs> much more chance of you accidentally just like jumping with yeah. surprise when you actually manage to pop one of the balloons. <laughs> as long as, yeah, it, it'd be <laughs> it'd be good fun, all good fun, as long as he's not one of those. Um, uh, there's, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this group of uh, Canadian lumberjacks that have an interesting condition that if you ever if you shock them, if you make a you know loud noise like uh, like a tree falling down or you know a balloon popping, yeah. uh, then they will sort of just have a sort of a three second burst of just sort of completely incoherent sort of running and screaming. <laughs> so in this case, presumably the dean okay. would be like, bang. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then you know grimly walk back to his office again <laughs> bang <laughs> that, that would be a prank <laughs> <laughs> and um someone uh seemingly american here because they uh, said school pool filled with jello huh I wonder if it was still chlorinated. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that would be like the worst flavour. Oh my god. <laughs> well, if we're going to conclude from that, that that this person who's written in is American, then we conclude that the we can conclude that the previous person who wrote in was French and in fact <laughs> filled the office entirely with, with pink footballs. <laughs> <laughs> really, is, is a football a ballon? Yeah. Huh. We <laughs> linguist of the day. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound like such a like it's a much it's a much wimpier game when it's you know, played with la ballon. La ballon. Moving on, we've kind of got a all old old things section now. <laughs> That's my favourite section. <laughs> yeah. Well, the news doesn't uh, the news that we cover doesn't like naturally just like fit into the kind of like technology sport. Well, it should try harder. <laughs> There's sections on the BBC website for this exact purpose. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think England is an exciting section. Oh, yeah, that's uh, for, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not so much a section as to, like, categorising the news so much as where it happened. All right, Michael, tell us about England. What has been going <laughs> on in England? Uh, work has begun to paint the uh, Westbury White Horse, um, which is uh, on the hillside, um, which is thought to have been carved... Uh, in 878 AD to commemorate King Alfred's victory over the Danes at the Battle of Ethandune. Um, so, but they decided that, that it's going grey, so it needs a lick of paint. In time for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, apparently, is is their goal. Well, is, it, is, it, is it turning up? <laughs> is it invited? <laughs> <laughs> or, is it, or is it the equivalent of, uh, like, someone's coming round to your house, you're like... Surely if it was like that, it'd be more the Olympics, because the thing about the Queen's Diamond Jubilee is that mostly, like, all of our subjects are kind of here. I mean, all of our UK subjects, obviously, I just realised it's the Commonwealth as soon as I said that, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, personally, I think what this story teaches us is that we should be very careful how much budget we give to English heritage. Because at the moment, they're restoring white horses. Fairly harmless. However, if you up the budget enough, they will start doing things like restoring fortresses. And then at what point do you sort of, do you make the leap from, right, we've rebuilt the fortress walls and that, you know, so it's now properly a functioning fortress again. We feel, though, it's not quite proper without a legion. <laughs> and then they sort of, you know, hire themselves some warriors. You know, it's, not too, it's, some warriors. it's not too long before English <laughs> heritage have a private army, you yeah. know, with, with, with it, within our country. Although the, it is more likely that you would just get the, the kind of people who do, like, who dress up as a Tudor person and then go, oh, welcome to my Tudor house, would you like some Tudor bread and things like that. <laughs> Little known fact, all the Tudors were from Somerset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it just seems a bit bizarre that we've got this ancient... Carving that that's a uh, like a scientific special scientific interest oh, as, yeah. well, as well as historical apparently. Um, but the, maybe the, they're trying to work out how the how on earth they managed <laughs> to to cut a white horse into a hillside. Maybe they're still investigating that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you think it's, it's been there quite a while. You think they might have been <laughs> able to work it out by now, or is this a sort of investigation where we're going? Oh, yeah, we need some extra funding to carry on <laughs> investigating, and they do lots of their investigating down the pub. <laughs> Maybe secretly they suspect that it was put there by aliens, which automatically makes it scientific, <laughs> rather, as well as, and or rather than historical. And if there's one thing we need to guard ourselves against the threat of aliens, it's a fairly well-armed force of longbowmen. <laughs> <laughs> you wait, you wait. <laughs> well, yeah, it does slightly worry me. That, like that we go lick of paint to it. It's like are we going we to start deciding that the, the, the Mona Lisa or the, <laughs> could, could do it like oh, it's, a, it, it's it's lost a bit of luster. Let, let's uh, let's use new paint to repaint the Mona Lisa. <laughs> or well, obviously not necessarily that, but like that sort of thing. Yeah. Just destroy everything by covering it with new paint. Yeah, apparently they've already given it a coat of concrete. No, not concrete, cement. Um, because it was eroding. And you're sort of like, well, yeah, they made it a thousand years ago out of hillside. It's going to erode. I, I'm not sure whether covering it in cement counts as preservation or just counts as covering it in cement. It sounds like the sort of thing Damien Hurst would do, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 Cover a horse in cement. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Hurst's uh, new work of art, kind of, kind of, kind of anti-erosion, <laughs> covering a giant horse in cement. <laughs> Worth billions now. 
<laughs> no, I suppose it. in this case, like as a logical opposite to his normal works, he would have to cover this one in horses. <laughs> like, because he takes living things and makes them inanimate, so he'd have yeah. to do the inverse. He'd have, or like, he'd have to bring it to life. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be known as like the Wiltshire horse horse, <laughs> composed of just a massive like paddock of horses. So oh, I, I was going to ask where you went, like full horses or bits of horses. That you can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going for the you know the, the horrible horse mass murder one. I was, no. I, I was going for the. Sort that of is much more Hearst style, though. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a problem that should be solved by the. D- Inspector Bear. No, it sounds like a problem that should be discovered by Inspector Bear, so that then someone has to solve it. It sounds like something worn by Lady Gaga, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Matthew, I'm wet. Why Matthew? Why is, she, why is she on stars in my eyes? Stars in your eyes? Whatever. Stars, stars in, in Bear stars eyes. In, <laughs> now we're getting language to climb that TV show. <laughs> stars in his, her, or its eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Lucky we ordered a linguist for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still want me as your pet? <laughs> <laughs> linguist challenge. Give us the conditional tense of stars in their eyes. <laughs> stars would be in their eyes. <laughs> Were stars in their eyes? <laughs> would that hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we, we've got another, uh, another puzzle like desecration of an ancient artifact, which is a story <laughs> that we've actually covered once already. But more, more stuff has come to light, so we thought we'd go back to it. And this is the bouncy Stonehenge, uh, which is a work of art which is called Sacrilege um, by is it by um, Jeremy, Jeremy Della, um, and it's part of one of the London 2012 festival. It's starting in Glasgow, and then it's going to go on tour, which makes it sound a little bit like a rock band. Um, <laughs> But um, basically, now they found that around Ireland uh, there there was a. Uh, pu- I'm not even going to an attempt pronouncing that. The Pulnabrone bouncy dolman. <laughs> I'm going to say that, and you won't know whether I've got it right or not. Yeah. <laughs> we can leave that to someone to email in and complain about. Uh, which was a bouncy. Well, it says, it says a precise double-sized replica of a megalithic table tomb built around 6,000 years ago, but it's very de- obviously not precise because you can bounce on it, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure the original you can't do. Well, you can. Well, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be very much fun, but you can do it. <laughs> I'm not sure you're bouncing so much as jumping up, just coming back down again, and then deciding to jump again afterwards. Well, not. you know, just go there with a pogo stick. Yeah. <laughs> When you jump in the air, the entire Earth bounces just a little bit in the other <laughs> direction. The planet is your bouncy castle, Michael. <laughs> Does that mean that it's a replica of another planet that, that has better gravity somewhere else? <laughs> Come to Inflato Earth. <laughs> Don't worry, we're, we're, we, we've been buying off scientists to say that there's magma and stuff. No, helium. <laughs> helium? Why helium? <laughs> Doesn't need to float. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's that's the next step in the evolution of, of, of these uh, fake monuments. They're going to make a helium Stonehenge next, are they? Yeah, <laughs> it'll be like Stonehenge. an up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> so anyway, <laughs> what about that henge? <laughs> Hang on, we were already talking about the henge. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, app- apparently um, the, the uh, reason that the uh, the Pulnabron Dolmen uh, bouncy castle came about was apparently when Ireland uh, was in the height of the Celtic Tiger period, on, on every occasion there was a bouncy castle around, which seemed to be some sort of vernacular monumental sculpture. Oh. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure what. Well, uh, vernacular isn't a word that I've heard used in this context at all. So, well, you're a scientist. Oh, oh is it getting personal now? <laughs> no, I'm just a pedant. I was, I was trying to keep it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to bring it out, but it, it just chance just seems to be happening. I like the fact that the Celtic Tiger period sounds like it was in yeah. the Bronze Age. Yeah, and, like, and there was a huge number of bounty castles around. So, well, hang on a moment. <laughs> what was a Bronze Age bounty castle like exactly? Did you have like teams of slaves blowing manually into valves, <laughs> whilst the one lord bounced up and down? 
Uh, but there's talk of them uh, of both the bouncy castles ending up in Northern Ireland for some sort of bounce off. Which <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how that will be organised. Is that what the Irish problem has come to? You know, <laughs> bouncing contests in Belfast. I, I have no idea. It's a, it says they're going to invite the Pulnerone Dolmen over the border. So, where is the Pulnerone Dolmen based? Um, um, probably in Ireland. So they, well, they, they can't even be bothered to come all the way to Ireland to visit it. They're just going to be like, right, we stole your idea. Now come and visit us in a different country, <laughs> which is quite near to your country. <laughs> I think that's just rude. <laughs> They're hard things to ship across international borders as well, bouncy castles. <laughs> so, like, there's no tick box on the customs form for that one. <laughs> bouncy castle. <laughs> yeah. uh, I need to get my manager for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Business like or pleasure? <laughs> It depends what you're trying to actually invade or not. <laughs> we we gonna, invade the bouncy castle. Are we, we going to have bouncy legions as well? <laughs> <laughs> Curse uh, you, English heritage. Uh, it's okay, though. All, the, all those longbows lying around, they won't have a bouncy castle for long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of old things, uh, <laughs> and there are also like antiques. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, the TV show Antiques Roadshow uh, is going to have a new interactive game where you can guess how much something is worth before the experts actually tell you what it is. And so people will be able to watch it and press the red button and, and enter their number and compare against other people. Personally, I think this is what the red button was made for. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's like they suddenly realised the existence of Bruce Forsyth's The Price is Right <laughs> and realised, hey, we can do that with Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I love that the, the BBC's Victoria J said the show was tapping into existing audience behaviour. Viewers have been shouting at their <laughs> TV screens for years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just intrigued about all these people watching Antiques Roadshow and shouting at their, their TV. I can envisage it. Going, well, how can you not tell that's from this period? <laughs> £20,000. And that thing we bought with it, that's rubbish. That shouldn't be on here, that should be on Cash in the Attic. <laughs> it sounds as though this is just going to become a hotbed of trolling. It's like, you think that's an antique? That's not an antique, that's rubbish! Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not I'm sorry, that is an invalid entry. <laughs> Please try again. <laughs> yeah, it's not actually letting you just shout at the TV and then your shout gets converted into... <laughs> I think that's the next, that's going to be the next um, advancement in this kind of technology. <laughs> oh, can you imagine it for just, like, actual quiz shows, though? <laughs> Gamble! <laughs> I don't know. It's like all those things. Going, uh, it's only easy if you know the answer. Well, yes, I do. I'm shouting. <laughs> Is that what you shout at that quiz show where all the contestants are lambs? Gamble. Oh, come on! Oh my! Come on! <laughs> no, that, 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 that was frankly awful. <laughs> have you not got a badumtish sound effect? I do not have a badumtish sound effect. No, <laughs> I suggest you invest you in one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like, like uh, that. That would be a horrible thing to say on Dragon's Den or something. Like <laughs> do you have a badumtish sound effect? I suggest you invest in one. <laughs> but I wouldn't <laughs> be investing in this. Any idea investing in one? Like you put some money into a badumtish and. Then <laughs> And then five years later, and you, you get, get a drum roll out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a really luxurious badum tish. Like <laughs> the tish is a gong, and and the badum that's like a priceless vase <laughs> being banged against another priceless <laughs> antique of some. Uh, uh, banged against a bouncy henge. There we go. <laughs> it's more of a boing to be honest. <laughs> it's a boing and a crash and an antiques dealer weeping. <laughs> <laughs> And somewhere a bear is shambling away, <laughs> trying to look innocent. <laughs> I've discovered this vase. You do not want to look at the vase. <laughs> Why is the bear French? We will never know. Because he's Inspector Clouseau bear. Oh, yeah. I think this was pointed out that earlier on. That was totally on. justified. <laughs> oh, dear. You can tell this show is improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, new record for world's fastest toilet on wheels. Uh, that Canadian stunt was Angeline Van Voet recorded a speed of 75 kilometres an hour in Sydney beating the previous record by 7 kilometres an hour uh, but the quote, the quote is brilliant I flew into Australia yesterday and came out here to jump straight on the toilet <laughs> that was so fun <laughs> and then I got on <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there was some problems early on when the chain fell off. I love that. <laughs> it's ambiguous. I've got a sound effect for you for that one. <laughs> oh, Ming! It didn't. It didn't occur to. <laughs> it didn't for one minute occur to me that like the chain might have been part of the motor. <laughs> I, I just assumed it was the chain of the of, of the toilet. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me that it was a pun on toilets because all my toilets have handles like sensible ones. <laughs> Between us, we would have got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> By your life experiences combined. <laughs> but what it, the picture that it evokes to me is, well, it's a pretty weird picture, but like they've just, they've just gone, okay, how can we get a world record? Uh, well, we've got a go-kart um, and we've got a toilet and we've spent years optimising this go-kart. Um, also, we have a toilet. And <laughs> they've just yeah. plonked it on the top. And they're like, oh, no, the chain fell off. <laughs> oh, it's knew we should have optimised the toilet as well as the go-kart. Yeah, it, it is a problem because I, I disagree that this is the world's fastest toilet on wheels. This is the world's fastest go-kart that is currently carrying a toilet. Yeah. It's okay, not a show, yeah. I so imagine, I imagine, like, an actual toilet with, like, the, the, um, like, the, the, like, a small engine inside the toilet and kind of, like, wheels properly on the toilet. But no, this is a toilet which is just kind of, like, a, a centrepiece, a seat yeah. of an entire go-kart. What have they called those chairs that have got, like, the seat that lifts up and then you can just... Toilets. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is not what I was going for. <laughs> I do love the idea that you've been sort of going, why does nobody ever use this chair? It's brilliant. <laughs> There's a word for them which I can't remember. Yet again, how ironic. Is it a garderobe? No. No? No. Okay. Maybe? No. I think that's, an, just, I think that's just an old time. So, so, what, what is the lid on this chair for? Is it well, a, it's because it's a chair, and then it's got a toilet component, but then... Well, I, I said toilet! No, no yeah, it's like an armchair. Yeah, it's a proper normal chair, <laughs> and thus horrible. <laughs> <laughs> which I can't remember the name of. Oh, which is annoying. I think we might have to sack you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've failed in, in my pet linguist role. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sad, but true. So as you were saying earlier, yeah, this um, uh, the, the actual uh, lavatorial go-kart thing has surely been bested by every airline lavatory in history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which, which is... <laughs> There's not a land speed record, though. No. That's true. Or right, every taxiing aircraft. <laughs> yeah, all it's got to do is just get an aircraft to taxi for long enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it yeah. could get over... 75 kilometres an hour, surely? Sure, yeah. You're probably required to drive from the lavatory in question. <laughs> so, <laughs> just do some sort of fly-by-wire thing where there's, yeah. like, auxiliary flight controls in there. Like, just in case the pilot gets locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that's all we've got time for here on Verse of for this week. So, uh, thank you to our, our guest, Ross Hickman. You're welcome. I've been Michael Contario. And I've been Chris Moten. And next up is The Science of Fiction, featuring more of me. <laughs> uh, stay tuned to see if I know what on earth I'm talking about on the topic of robotics.